Good morning. My name is Aaron, pastor of New Community, and I'm so excited to be with you. Good morning. All right. I'm so glad this is great. Hey, a couple announcements before we transition into the message today. Uh, First of all, if you are new to our church and want to get to know some people, we have this incredible thing called Guest Lunch Out. It's happening later today at 1215 in the Commons, and it's free. All right? So if you want a free meal, you want to meet some people, want to encourage you to go check that out. Also, another way we want to help you get connected is through these things called Connect Cards. You'll notice in the seat backs in front of you, you can pull one out and let us know a little bit about who you are. If you have any prayer requests of any kind, we would love to get to know you to help you take your next step. And you can drop that in the offering uh, uh, boxes as you head out a little bit later. But if you have a Bible, what I'd love for you to do is turn to Luke chapter 8. Verse 40. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. And if you're new to the Bible, we're going to have the scriptures up on screen. You can follow along that way as well. And uh, last week, Mike taught about the demoniac who had been healed. He was a Gentile, he was a non Jew. And we heard the story of how Jesus and his disciples crossed the Sea of Galilee to a region known as the Decapolis. And the Decapolis was well known to be a place where Gentiles resided. And Jesus has this amazing confrontation with this man who's been possessed by demons. Jesus shows up on the scene, delivers the man from his uh, enslavement, and the people there are astonished and are actually scared and want him to go away. In the midst of it, the man who's been healed wants to go with Jesus. He's just been healed. But Jesus says something very surprising. He says, no, I don't want you to come with me. I want you to go ahead and tell everybody what God has done for you. And Mike talked about it last week, how later in the book of Mark, we discover that sure enough, when Jesus comes back to this part of the Sea of Galilee later, there's all these people that want to come and connect with him because this man shared his story. And so here we are in Luke chapter 8, verse 40, and we pick up the story of Jesus returning back to the side of the Sea of Galilee where the Jews tended to reside. Verse 40 and following, we'll pick up the story. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, he pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. What's happening here? Well, Luke is depicting the first of two stories of healing in this passage. If we were to keep reading through the book of Luke going on to verse 56, we'll notice there is a second healing that Jesus performs that's connected or related to this particular one. But for our purposes today, I want us to hone in on what this text 
is really saying. So what's going on in this text? Well, we have this man who's named Jairus. He's a synagogue leader. He was considered upright, probably concerned with being ceremonially clean. And he was in a desperate situation. His daughter was literally dying. And when he had heard that Jesus had arrived, he wanted to go and see if Jesus could help her and save her. And so he falls at his feet. And what does Jesus respond? What does he do? He starts walking to the house immediately on his way. But notice if you're Jairus, how would you feel if you witnessed what was about to happen? There's this woman that interrupts the healing that you're supposed to get for your daughter. We have this woman who's pushing herself to the front of the crowd. And the word uh, in this, for, for crowd here, the crushing crowd, is actually the same word Luke's used earlier about choking out the seed that falls in the thorns. And so there's this picture that the crowd is just pressing up against Jesus. And it's really chaotic. And here's this woman who's fighting through to get to him. And you know what? She's not supposed to be there. Why? Well, she'd been bleeding for 12 years. She'd had this situation in which she was technically, according to Jewish custom and law, ceremonially unclean. And so as a result, she was not allowed to be touching other people because that would defile them as well. And so she wasn't supposed to technically be there. Not only did her life have this physical problem, but it actually implied a social problem as well. She would be disconnected from uh, worshiping in the synagogue and participating in the religious festivals. And yet here she is, so consumed with getting to Jesus, she doesn't care. She's got to touch Jesus. And in verse 44, what happens? As she touches Jesus' cloak, the miraculous occurs. But if you look at this, as I look at this, you kind of go, well, why, why is she so consumed with touching Jesus? I mean, what does she know? Well, what's interesting is she's touching the prayer shawl that most rabbinical teachers would wear that Jesus happens to be wearing. It's called a talith. And there were these tassels on the garment that were designed to remind the rabbi or the priest of the commands of God. And it was something back in the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy that God had commanded the people to wear to remind themselves of who they were. They were God's covenant people. They had God's commands. And they were called to live in light of that. What's interesting to note is each one of these tassels were colored in blue. It was this beautiful color. And then there were 613 cords on each tassel representing the different commands of the law. And so you can imagine these, these prayer shawls being worn, reminding the wearer and reminding other people of who they were as God's covenant people. And so the woman reaches out and she grabs this part of Jesus' garment. But what's interesting as well to note is this, is that part of the garment, these tassels, kind of looked like wings. They kind of had this feeling or this look of wings on the garment. And so there's this idea of God protecting his people like a bird whose wings protect their young when you would see this image on this garment. 
And what's interesting as well is maybe the reason why this woman wanted to go ahead and touch Jesus and grab these tassels off of his cloak is because there's this interesting messianic promise found in the book of Malachi chapter 4 that you don't have to turn to if you don't want to, but Malachi chapter 4 has got this promise here. And maybe, just maybe, she remembered this promise. And it says, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. So we have this bleeding woman who sees Jesus. She fights through this crushing crowd. And what does she want to do? She just needs to touch his cloak. And maybe, maybe she'll be healed. Maybe this truly is the Messiah. But notice something. Jesus says, who touched me? Who touched me? Now, one of the things you notice when you read the Bible is when Jesus asks a question, it's usually not for him, right? Peter, of course, what does Peter say? He's like, "Uh, Jesus, there's people pressing up against you, crowding, uh, what are you talking about? But of course, there's something going on that, that Peter can't see that Jesus wants to reveal, And so sure enough, this woman knows that she can't get away without confessing that she's the one who's touched Jesus because Jesus has felt the power leave him. And in verse 47, notice what it says. We notice what Jesus is desiring for this woman in verse 47. She's fearful, she's trembling, and what does he want her to do? Notice this, in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed you know there's something interesting here where she could have left and walked away with physical healing correct but Jesus wanted something more for her to understand and she wanted he wanted something for the people around her to understand because of her healing You know, she'd been living a life, 12 years, socially outcast with this physical ailment, cutting her off from community, cutting her off from worship. And here Jesus wants to help her understand something, is that you are welcome back into the community of God. And why is that? Is it because she physically touched his cloak? No. Everyone's touching Jesus. Everyone's pressing up against him. What does Jesus say? He says, daughter, it's your faith that's healed you. Go in peace. I love that. Jesus wants to make it very clear. It's not just physically touching me. It's not just being around me. It's faith in me that heals. And the people around you need to know that. And you yourself need to know that. Jesus cares about sharing our stories Jesus heals us as he heals this woman so that others might be healed as well. And so today, you guys, what I want to do is I just want to celebrate the stories that God has been doing in the lives of our church. You know, so many of us in here, you know, Mike talked about this a little bit last week. We don't feel like we've got a great story of healing like this. But the fact of the matter is you do. And you have stories that can heal and impact the people around you in ways you cannot possibly imagine. 
One of the greatest things I get to do as I oversee the Rooted Ministry is every week, what's happened over the last 10 weeks, people have had to share their stories of faith and coming to faith and in the journey of faith. And one of the things that's so profound is people over and over again go, I don't really have a story. I just, I don't know. But because they're forced to share, what happens afterwards, everyone starts to say, oh my gosh, that is amazing. Look at what God's done. Look at what God's doing in your life. And people are liberated more and more to say, wait a minute, I do have something to share. Absolutely you do. And so today what we want to do is we just want to share the stories of what God is doing and remind you and remind myself that we have a story of healing to share and Jesus wants us to share it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to invite some friends to come on up and share their stories of how they've experienced healing in their life through the Rooted Experience these past 10 weeks. And so would you go ahead and welcome our friends that are going to come up and share. Give them a round of applause. Come on up, you guys. Keep coming. Keep coming. And uh, one of the things that we've been doing is, uh, for, you guys have heard a little bit about Rooted, but uh, well, over the last 10 weeks, we've been doing this spiritual growth experience, and it has been unbelievable, the life change that's happened as a result. And what I really want to show you guys today is the fact that the stories are all over the place. Not every single story is this radical demonstration of healing like this woman that's experienced this, but but the stories of what God wants to do in people's lives as they take, take steps of faith is really what we want to talk about. And so I've invited some of my friends up here. This is Shelly, this is Vicki, this is Greg, and this is BJ. You guys have come up. Thank, so glad you guys are here. This is awesome. So I've got a couple questions for you, and I think we're going to start with BJ. It, BJ, um, the first question I'd love to ask is, how has connecting to Rooted really helped your relationship with God? Can you just share a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, it's been, I guess, a 15-year journey for me since I sort of left the church, went out on my own. And, you know, there's, there have been these periods of like three, four weeks where I'd really sort of try and get back with God mm-hmm. and then fail miserably over mm-hmm. and over and over. And, and the thing with Rooted um, is that it is a community, and you were just talking about all these different stories Uh, that people have and what I started to notice is if I stop saying God put something in my life so that I have a sign and then I can move forward with your plan for my life what I realized was through the stories of everyone in our group it was answering all the questions that I've had for 15 years or perhaps even my whole life and so I started to notice God working because I took a step towards God instead of saying prove it to me first and then I'll you know then I'll move forward full speed ahead, you know. And so, so that has really been a revelation uh, in my life. And it's been beautiful. I met these amazing people and people I wouldn't have necessarily hung out with. Maybe I would have gone surfing with you. <laughs> wouldn't have necessarily hung out with or gone out of my way to, to meet in the first place. And it's, it's been amazing. That's awesome. Thanks, BJ. Yeah. Um, Shelly, tell us a little bit about how Rooted has helped you connect with the church family, the impact that that's had for you. Sure. Um, 
I can still remember the first day that we sat down in the well and talked about Rooted. I actually am one of very few that's had the pleasure of doing Rooted twice now. Um, I did the beta group with Aaron over the summer and then facilitated this fall. So I kind of have two really different experiences in Rooted to pull from as I share with you guys this morning. But um, I'm 29 and single, which you can imagine is a a bit of a challenging season in life. I'm not quite 27 dresses yet, but I have watched a lot of my friends walk down the aisle. Um, And many, many of those friends now have first and second babies. And as much as I love being Aunt Shell to Izzy and Rory, whose grandparents are here this morning, um, it's not quite the same as maybe the vision I had had for my life. And it's really easy to feel alone and lost in the midst of that. I'm not really young, young married. I'm not, I'm not at all a young married. Um, I don't have a young family. I'm not in college anymore. And so where do I fit and belong in a church of this size? Where do I plug in and connect? So as we sat across that table drinking coffee and talking about Rooted and this idea of a whole new type of community that's intergenerational with men and women, married and single, kids and no kids, it was like this answer to prayer for me that there's a place I could fit and I don't have to be any sort of thing. It just makes sense. And with our beta group, it was amazing. Um, Amanda Young is sitting over here in the front row. I, sh- I asked her if I could point to her. Um, and we met through Rooted, and I would say, undoubtedly both of us would say that we have become really, really dear friends and are able to continue walking through life together. Amanda is also 29 and single, which is not something I even thought I would get out of this experience, but to get people um, that are in the exact same place in life. And Amanda and I have really different personalities, but so the same heartbeat and passion for the Lord and his people. And so it's been amazing just to see the ways that God has brought really unique and interesting groups together. My group in particular has divorced, married, dating, college, me, one other 29 and single, woo, and uh, it worked. Somehow it all works, and God can do miraculously amazing and powerful things if we're willing to trust him, to share our stories, to really be honest and vulnerable about where we are, and by exposing those truths, letting other people into our lives, it takes huge steps in walking towards him together. That's great. Thank you. Vicki, what about you? Vicki, you, you, this impacted you in a lot of ways with the church family as well. Talk about that. It sure did. Um, in September, I was planning on doing something else. I was planning on doing Bite Size, but that didn't work out. God had some other plans for me, so I thought, well, I'll do Rooted because I, uh, my husband and I do attend the guest lunch out. We're hosts for that, which is this Sunday, if you're new, <laughs> so you can come. <laughs> And um, so I thought, well, I'll check this out and see um, what it is so that I can recommend it to other people that want to connect. So um, I signed up, and the day of, Aaron called me, and he said, Vicki, we've had so many people sign up. We need facilitators. Would you be willing? (laughs) And I said, he says, you just need to shepherd and care for people. And I said, I can do that. So, um, so I said yes, and oh my gosh, I have met the most wonderful people in this group. There were 17 of us, including myself, and I've been at this church for 38 years, and I love this church, and I've, my husband and I are connected to a wonderful adult fellowship class, but um, I don't know what it is about the rooted experience, and uh, you know, as you said, Shelley, It just works, and we've had people in our class from ages 20 all the way up to 70, 
and everything in between. And they've just been wonderful, and we're going to go on and be a a community group. Most of us want to stay together. And Greg and Sada are going to be our leaders. Thanks. So my wife and I have been coming here for over two years now, and like can happen in a big church, you can come and never really connect with people. And so our intention with joining Rooted was to do just that, connect with people. Um, But the real reason that I came that I didn't know at the time, and it's often God's way, is to connect back with him in a really meaningful way through those people and through praying throughout the day and reading my Bible daily. And not all of those things are a prerequisite of Rooted, but you just find yourself wanting to more. And one of the things that I took away was you don't just talk to your wife once a day and have a relationship. And even though maybe sometimes they wish we talked to them once a day, you know, um, so the same thing, same, same thing with God. And um, as everybody's echoed here, there are newlyweds in our group, retired people in our group, and um, we strengthen each other. We um, kind of build each other up and, and also impact our community. And in doing so, it blesses us back. Um, like Vicki said, we were asked to lead, and though it's really humbling and there are feelings of inadequacy in doing so, um, God guides us. And in God doing that, you can't be better prepared. You know, it's just, it's really amazing. And we look forward to continuing that and then also impacting our church and our community together. So, Thank you guys. Awesome. Can we give them a round of applause for sharing their stories? I love that. I love that. And these are just some examples. We know God is doing amazing things in your life and in other parts of our church family. We just happen to be wrapping up our Rooted Celebration and some of the stories that have come out of that have been so fun and exciting. But here's my point. There are stories that all of us have, whether um, it's a story of conversion to faith in Christ or whether it's recent and fresh stories of you taking steps of faith That God is responding and doing new and fresh things. And I think that's what I wanted you to see is this spectrum. The the key thing I think for us is to recognize that Jesus wants us to share those stories. He doesn't want us to just be healed and walk away like the bleeding woman was tempted to do. He wants us to share it because God starts doing something in us as we do it. And God starts doing something in others that listen and hear about it. And so one of the ways in which we also declare our story is through this idea of baptism. And, um, and before we get into what baptism means and why that's significant, even for those of us who have already been baptized, there's some real significance to remembering and celebrating baptisms. Um, one of the things I want to encourage you to do is, even today, is on your bulletin you'll notice there's a little outline there that helps you think through your own story. And many of you, you're, you've never shared your story because you've never figured out how to do it. And so one of the things we wanted to leave with you today is to say, hey, why don't you sit down later today and just jot down some thoughts and ideas upon how God met you wherever you were at, even early in childhood, how you gave your life to Christ, how you came to Christ, did you pray with somebody, were you by yourself, uh, what, what kind of turnabout 
um, happened so that you could articulate that. And then, of course, what's life been like since then? And you will find that as you start to clarify and articulate your story in a concise way, you'll start to see opportunities show up all around you to share about that. And like I said before, maybe it's not necessarily your conversion to Christ. It could be what are just some recent ways in which God has shown up in your life, in your marriage, with your finances, with your kids. But people are desperately looking to find healing and hope. They just don't know. They can find it in Jesus and it's going to be through you. But what else? What else are we going to talk about today? Well, obviously we got this baptism here. We're going to celebrate that and the The beautiful picture, the story that baptism declares is the gospel. And so turn with me to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, very familiar passage, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You guys have heard this plenty of times before. But right here in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, is what's called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission makes it very clear. These are Jesus' words of why we baptize people and why it's so important. I'll start in verse 18. This is Jesus. He's just resurrected. He's about to ascend and he leaves his disciples with some marching orders. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I just want to quickly draw your attention to the fact that what is the commission called to do? It's calling the disciples to go and make more disciples. What are disciples? They're students, they're learners of Jesus. But the calling is to go and make more. And how do they do that? Jesus says, baptize and teach. Now teach doesn't mean just memorize and not do it. Teach means take in my words and put them into practice. Apply them in your own life. And then, of course, the word baptism, which is so significant. Baptism, the word there, means to dip or immerse. And by dipping and immersing, it starts to take on the characteristics or qualities of what it has been immersed into. So if you have a a cloth and you dip it into dye, it takes on the qualities of the dye. Uh, My wife is immersing our six and two-year-old in Zumba aerobics, and so someday, I guess, my daughters will probably work at a Mexican dance cantina. Uh, But that's what happens, you know, you're immersing yourself. So when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are being baptized, immersed under the triune God. Now, what is interesting is some people think, oh, these are magical words, you have to say them just right, or the baptism doesn't work, or something like that, and that is not the case at all. It is the heart, it's the faith behind the symbol of baptism, but it depicts a spiritual truth, which is when we turn to follow Jesus, when we repent, turn away from our sin towards salvation in Jesus Christ, we're forgiven And we are now immersed in taking on the character of the one true triune God. And it's this beautiful picture of us being transformed into the likeness of our God. So why is this so relevant? Why is it so important for many of us to remember, even those of us who've been baptized years and years and years ago, to remember our baptism, especially in relation to our story? 
Because remembering our story through baptism helps us continue to live out the story God wants us to be. God is continuing his work in us and we oftentimes forget who we now really are in him. In in fact, the Apostle Paul talks about this. And we could turn quickly to Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Paul makes this argument based on the importance of baptism for these, uh, these Christians that were grappling with the fact that, wait a minute, if I've been given all this grace because of Jesus... What prevents me from just kind of living it up? If, if God's grace covers all my sin, why not just keep sinning? And Paul says, oh, no, no, no. You've got to remember who you really are. And it's the baptism that you remember that reorients you to your true identity. So Romans 6, real quick. I'll start off in verse 1 and we'll get to 3 and 4. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life." The reason, Paul says, that we don't live like that is because that's no longer who we are. That's our old self. That's our old way of life. That's our old way of thinking. That's gone. That's dead. We don't want to live like that anymore. We've become new because of this powerful spiritual truth. We have been united with Christ in faith. And baptism is the beautiful, perfect picture of this transformation that's happened, all because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. And so when we look at Romans 6, we recognize that when we are baptized, we are reflecting this this communion with Christ because now we are being, we go underneath the water, our old self is dead with Christ. Our old self of lust and envy and a rebellion against God, all of the mistakes we've ever made, it all dies with Christ. And so going under the wa- underneath the water symbolizes this beautiful death to our old self. And yet we also see as we come out of the water, it reflects the resurrection of Christ. It reflects the fact that we are born anew, that we become a new creation. We are different now because of Christ. And as we look at the resurrection of Jesus, we are looking at our promised future. We now get to start to experience the resurrection life right now in fulfillment later. And baptism depicts this beautiful picture of our old self dying and our new self rising all because of Jesus. And why is that so significant? Because so oftentimes we are full of worry, anxiety, and fear, and depression because we forget who we really are. We are saved by grace. And we are loved. And we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And we have a promise to cling to. God will never leave us or forsake us and we have a future with him for all eternity and that is good news. And so for some of us, as we think about it, I don't really have a story. I'm really struggling right now. I Remember, look at the picture of baptism 
It's another way of reminding ourselves of the story of God's grace and love. And so right now what we're going to do is we are going to celebrate some baptisms right now and we're going to go ahead and celebrate with these individuals who want to publicly declare their faith and let us know that they've made that decision. They are a part of God's family now and they just want to show and share that with you. And so let's take a look on a video up here showing some of the people that are getting baptized today and then we'll do some baptisms together.